What's going on, guys? How's everybody doing? We'll get started in a minute or two. I'm just going to mute myself for a second, so be right back. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Happy Friday. Uh, it is January 21st. Pretty rough week across the board. Um, this is the Cantor and Clark Crypto Weekly Wrap-Up. I think we're sticking with that theme. I couldn't really figure out if I wanted to have like a consistent show um, or just kind of, you know, hop on here and there. Um, but I think it's been consistent that I've done this now for the last few Fridays. So I think we'll keep it this way. Uh, and I, I'll try to get on midweek, um, but I can't make any promises. I think I've been on on a Monday before, but I, I think doing it at the end of the week is a good idea because um, now that crypto has more of, you know, uh, regular trading hours, trades more in line with um, legacy cash markets, even though obviously we see that there's a correlation of the weekends with um, equity indices. Uh, I think we'll, we'll try to keep this as uh, normal as possible, normal working hours, normal market hours. Um, so before I get into it, just uh, the obvious disclaimers and formalities aside, you know, none of what I say is financial advice. You know, we, we talk about markets, but it's, you know, through my lens, um, I open the floor up, obviously, allow you guys to, to hop on the call and, and give your opinions. But I, I don't want anyone to, you know, tune into this call and then immediately um, on behalf of what's talked about in this call, what I say, what someone else says, um, go, you know, hit the, the long or short button. Everyone's responsible for themselves. You know, we're all adults. Um, again, none of this is financial advice. We try to keep it as entertaining as possible. And the crypto markets, they do a really good job of uh, taking care of that uh, for us, obviously. So <clears throat> there's a lot to talk about. You know, I'm just going to sort of rattle off some stuff in the beginning and then I'll open it up. You know, I tend to go on like a 10 to 15 minute tangent, sometimes diatribe, but I'll, I'll try to keep it short. We'll try to keep this under, you know, an hour today, hopefully between 45 minutes to an hour. Um, just as I've said the last few times, you know, obviously most people follow me because of, you know, crypto, um, that's my primary market now. Uh, but I traded legacy for a long time before that. Uh, but this conversation, right, this, uh, platform, this channel to show whatever, um, it doesn't have to stay within, you know, that fencing. You know, we could talk about anything, you know, crypto gets markets get kind of boring. There's a lot going on. But as I've said before, you know, anything is limited to things that do not include politics or religion um, and, you know, hot topics that can get uh, pretty heated. So hot topics can get heated. That sounds redundant. But um, all right. So let's take a look at the market. Just a couple things really quickly. Obviously, you know, we've seen that the correlation between um Bitcoin specifically and legacy has been very significant uh, and increasingly significant over the last, I want to say, two years at this point, right? I mean, we're approaching a two-year period from uh, March 2020, and that's when really, when the institutions really started to get involved, uh, when we started to see that correlation um, 
you know, strengthen. So in terms of the correlation, it is uh, with BTC specifically, obviously we know that, you know, crypto is highly correlated. There's a lot of dispersion the, the last few months, um, but when we see, you know, moves that are two, three sigma, um, everything, you know, follows BTC uh, and Bitcoin, you know, pulls the rest of the market down with it. But ultimately what we see is that the Russell, the DAC, the ES, um, I think it's the Russell and then the ES and then the DAC in terms of correlation, in terms of strength of that correlation. It, it's the difference between all those is negligible though, right? So, excuse me, I am uh, drinking <clears throat> hot water with uh, lemon and, and honey. So quick aside, um, I installed this new, you know, specialty Google thermostat thingamajiggy in our house and it decides to turn on eco mood mode at like a really odd hour. And we live right on a, a lake and the lake is frozen and it's like living on an ice cube right now. And when that turns off the heat, like an hour later, the house just, it, it, it clearly needs uh, some more insulation work done because it gets brick inside. But um, so if you hear me slurping on anything, I'll try to keep that uh, to a minimum, but that's what I am doing. <clears throat> so uh, very strong correlation, obviously. And legacy has absolutely taken a beating. Um, you know, there's a lot taking place in the macro front. Uh, that has been, you know, conversation piece the last few months. Um, but it, it's really starting to come to a head, obviously, the last couple of weeks. We see pretty much everything across the board um, just looking at, you know, equity sectors, looking at commodities, um, obviously uh, not fixed income, uh, but down, right? With exception of some real estate, uh, consumer staples, utilities, um, but utilities are up. And, and, you know, one thing that goes along with that would be natural gas, which is the only commodity that's really up. Though gold is, is more or less um, it's doing a really good job of what storing that 18 story being a good store of value for $1,800. Um, but, you know, equities are taking a, a beating, right? And Bitcoin has been trading sort of like a tech stock. Um, it's been trading, as I've made the joke uh, more recently, a few times, it's been trading like, uh, you know, I don't want to say a triple leverage because it's not even that the, the moves are um, that significantly wide, but it's been trading like a, a leverage ETF of the S&P. <clears throat> so, you know, as far as BTC finding a bottom, I think that it's obviously contingent to a large degree on what's taking place um, in legacy markets, specifically with equities. Now, equities, you know, are across the board. I, I shared a, a chart earlier, a chart of um, equities that are above their 200-day moving average, just to give you some perspective going back to, you know, the last major uh, crash in March, and then before that in 2018, um, you know, only 30% of equities right now are sitting above their 200-day moving average, right? So, you know, there's a lot of things right now that are potentially, you know, approaching some areas where you know, value investors might really make an argument, you know, a strong case. There's a strong case to be made or an argument to be made for, you know, this being a great dip buying opportunity. Obviously, you know, if you're approaching your 200-day moving average, it means that you've experienced a significant amount of downside. It's not something that's really going to work out overnight. But, you know, we have, you know, things like, you know, Disney that's at its 200-day. We have Amazon that's still significantly extended. Um, Ford down significantly. These are just out of the, the mega caps in the S&P. Um, you know, Disney, PayPal, Tesla, 
uh, Bank of New York, Ford. Uh, Netflix, though, being, I guess, the most significant uh, beating that we've seen in the last day and a half. Netflix down over 20%. Now, obviously, um, a majority of that, or rather all of that, took place after hours. Uh, and we are coming to a period where there's going to be uh, a bunch of earnings releases. And, and it's said that there's going to be significant tailwinds because of positive earnings. But Netflix is, just to give you an idea, Netflix is only half a percent of the S&P uh, in terms of weighting. You know, you have something like Apple, which I think is around five to six. Um, so Netflix, you know, could arguably be said to have been um, a significant weight or something that helped the acceleration of the drawdown in the S&P. Now, if you look at, you know, the ES, if you look at the S&P, you know, ES after hours, um, you see that things were beginning to tail off and speed up to begin with, but it definitely didn't help that Netflix missed uh, by, you know, a massive margin, um, more like a chasm, right? So that, I guess, is, I don't know, that is, uh, that's kind of scary, right? Because really, when you think about it in those terms, when you think about how Netflix is, I want to say it was largely responsible for, you know, most of the significant move that we saw. Um, and that, you know, that could be conjecture. But uh, if you look at, you know, a lower time frame chart and, and a behavior between the two, you see that it's very tight. Um, although the S&P, you know, it's kind of at that point redundant because the S&P part of it is, is, you know, Netflix. But anyway, I think you get the, the point I'm getting at. You know, if, if something like Apple was to see a significant drawdown, now, mind you, Netflix is somewhere, not, Netflix isn't even in the top 20. You know, you have Apple that's, you know, 6%, I want to say 6%, you have Microsoft, you have Amazon. Um, if any of these were to see a significant drawdown, you know, that would be, uh, that would be catastrophic, right, for the S&P, right? Because really, I mean, Apple and Microsoft and Amazon, but, um, and Tesla is up there, Tesla's top five, and it wasn't even in the S&P until, you know, in the last couple of years. Uh, but if Apple was to see a significant drawdown, right, just to give you perspective, that would just, we'd be in a terrible place. So um, now we have the S&P that's at the 200-day moving average. I know that I'm kind of harping on, on legacy, but it is right now sort of the tail that's, you know, it is the dog that's wagging the crypto tail. Um, we have the S&P at its 200-day. You know, I don't think, uh, again, getting all the way back to your 200-day implies that, you know, you've been going through a significant period of drawdown. At, you know, it's not like you... Yeah, 200 day, looking at where we got in the last year, you know, even if you go all the way back to COVID, this was a ridiculous run, right? Um, completely exceeding, expect, you know, mostly everybody's expectations. If you asked everybody, you know, pre-COVID uh, or at the bottom, um, you know, at a period of max pain, where they thought the markets would be, you know, a year from that point, two years from that, I doubt anyone would have said, you know, that we've gotten to where we had gotten in terms of trajectory as fast as we did and, and with the you know, uh, I guess magnitude magnitude of the moves that we had. So, um, I think it. You know, in terms of the S and P, and again, the only thing that's up that's been consistently up the last couple of weeks has been, you know, the VIX. Right, kind of a joke, obviously, because you know when legacy is taking a dive, you know, the VIX is going to be inversely related to that. Although in the last year and a half, the the regime has been one as of where we've seen equities rise with a rising VIX, right? So it's not like they've always been inversely correlated. Um, that relationship has changed uh, in the last couple of years. So, 
you know, VIX up, never a good time to look for a BTC bottom. Um, S&P uh, having a lot of trouble finding a base, very slippery, not, you know, not conducive towards looking for a crypto bottom. Uh, so, you know, one of the things we would want to do is obviously define what are the, what's the criteria that we would want to see from the S&P. And I think that you want to see development around this region, you know, is again, it's a, it's kind of a meme, right? The 200 day, but Hey, trend followers, Jerry Parker probably likes this area. Um, you know, you have value investors that are making a case right now on CNBC though. They have, you know, books to protect and, you know, re redemptions to try to, you know, um, put a stop sign in front of, but I would wrap, you know, I would want to see development down here and then retaking a significant pivot. So something like 45, right. Before even beginning to make a case for BTC and, and, you know, Bitcoin, a lot has happened uh, since I originally posted this probably 12 hours ago. Um, we've seen a significant amount of liquidations. Finally, you know, 12 hours ago, it was like a uh, hundred million liquidated now we're just on we're just shy of 1 billion so in the last 24 hours we've had you know just i think just shy of 900 900 um million liquidated so that is uh that's very significant but if you put that in perspective with may it's like a tenth of where we were at in may right so another thing to focus on is that you know we we've seen resets but we haven't seen any kind of over, you know overly uh, extended negative funding. We haven't seen, you know, the sellers get, uh, you know, ahead of themselves um, on derivative platforms. And we still have relatively high open interest. If you look at stablecoin margin contracts and some of the leading exchanges, you know, the market cap to open interest ratio is still elevated locally, right? So, and I don't know. It, I mean, we are hanging right now. You know, if we look at where Bitcoin is, We've taken out all significant local levels. We've taken, you know, our major pivot going back to the end of September, October, taking the weekly, taking the daily. You know, we're, we're below, you know, last week's low. Um, and the only area that we have right now that's kind of reaching uh, in terms of a, a structural level is the pivot going all the way back to August, which is right around 38. And that was after we cleared from the bottom of the range all the way to the high in just a matter of days right it was it was honestly i think it was like eight eight or nine days where we we moved from 29 all the way up to 42 or 41 don't quote me um i should just look at a chart right <clears throat> so uh hold on one sec let me just pull one open um i find it's it's easy for me to do these uh call-ins if i actually just kind of rant and don't look at anything but you know we have really just a gap um so on the way up all the levels that were significant prior in the range that preceded that move from it, it's at the 19th all the way up to the end of August, uh, all the levels that we fought over were kind of cut through like butter. So, you know, your the closest area of market structure would be the one that I would reflect, right? So reflect on or, or refer to, excuse me. Um, so if if I was going to make a case for structure, I'm not going to go back into that prior range now and start picking off areas at the you know midpoint right around 36, 35. Um, you know, sure, we could come down to that level, interact and, and develop something. But the way I'm looking at it right now is, hey, we we made haste through that. All of those levels that we fought over since the, you know, since the end of May going into, you know, mid July, uh, we fought tooth and nail over levels within that. Um, and then we just cut right through it on the way up in in just over a week. So now hanging above that gap, 
hanging above, you know, 38. It looks like honestly, 38 to 30, 38 to 29 is mostly uninterrupted on the way up, right? So it's not like we built any significant structure on the way up if we're looking at the daily chart. So never really a good thing. It's not like you can't find structure, but from a technical standpoint, just if, if you're looking, if you're looking to define a region where you would potentially define a position, right? <clears throat> Build an argument around, it's not really like you have much. That doesn't mean that obviously price can't develop on its own, right? It's just the price has nowhere, the price doesn't have any idea that it's on the chart, right? It's just a, it's just a point on a scale. Um, so, you know, consistently moving lower, we've had a, a significant amount of liquidations, no change yet. Um, and I don't want to be the one to, you know, assume that I'm going to find a bottom. I'm just trying to play from one sticky point to the next. And at this point, when we're hanging above a level like this, you know, I remember periods where, you know, there's been multiple periods on the way down now where it seems like we should bottom, you know, by all means, you know, we're well extended by this amount that, you know, historically we're looking at a balance at least in the 25% drawdown. Now we're well beyond that. We're approaching a 50% drawdown, right? Uh, where are we actually? What are we? We're probably north of 40, but I don't know if we're at 50 yet from all-time high. Let's see. Um, so we're at 45% from from peak to <clears throat> to where we are. Uh, so none of those have led to any kind of significant move, right? Um, and yes, I absolutely think we're going to have a ridiculous correction to the upside at some point. But it's always a matter of like that doesn't mean anything, right? Where does that occur? Does that ridiculous bounce occur when we're all the way down to 25, or does it occur at 35? You know, some a lot of people don't end up surviving to the point where they actually are able to take advantage of that final turning point. Uh, we know that eventually it's going to come because the market just gets that's how what markets do. They get overcommitted in, in, in a pocket at some point. Um, so for BTC, you know, I'm going to need to see a significant amount of daily activity where, you know, either funding begins to build up towards the short side. You know, hopefully, um, you know, this is um, with corresponding, you know, this is. Uh, this is with some kind of open interest increase um, where we can make a case for, you know, new business coming in, trying to short the market. I, I don't know, though. I mean, right now, it's hard to look at something like that as sort of like an isolated metric when a lot of this is clearly driven by legacy. So I think, honestly, it makes sense to, to look at legacy, right? <clears throat> um, and when legacy finds a bottom, that's when I'll be more confident uh, in, in BTC. Um, do I honestly, you know, look at the chart right now and think that we could drop a lot more? Yeah, I don't see any reason why we can't, right? Um, you know, Legacy has just lost a very significant level looking at the S&P. Uh, and BTC is just hanging over a gap. And, you know, it's kind of like what everyone is considering in the back of their head and, and sometimes out loud, oh, the level we'll never get to. You know, it's always just a matter of time, right? before we ultimately do. It's like all ridiculous levels that we've talked about in the past that were to the upside, to the downside, um, you know, obviously capping off at a certain point for the all-time high, uh, have been returned back to, right? If price can go there, it will go there. It's like, you know, if anything is as close to uh, an ergodic market, it's almost like BTC is, right? Um, and a non-ergodic, uh, you know, markets are non-ergodic, you know, meaning they don't, they don't uh, visit all possible areas and, you know, all possible outcomes, right? Um, so looking at, and I'll, I'll open it up after this because I'm kind of going on right now. Like I said, I would. Um, looking at the chart right now, like the scariest level on the chart would be, oh my God, Bitcoin is back in the 20s, 
Um, and how could we write that up right now, right? Um, all it takes is a little bit of panic and, you know, we could see it happen in a short amount of time. I think that'd be honestly, I think a ton of liquidation, you know, best case scenario, because it's the scariest looking scenario, um, would be nuking through 30, right? Taking out all the lows. And, you know, this is something where you're going to want to be paying attention to the you know, liquidations that hit the book or hit the tape. Something where it looks like we have a move sitting, you know, potentially setting up from 29 all the way back down to the prior range. Uh, and that's a great area for a ton of liquidity to be scooped up. But, you know, I probably would participate in the short term, but get out very quickly because who knows, right? You don't want to be the one who is uh, just hanging on to the, you know, what's occurred in the past and expecting it to occur in the future and assume that, oh, you know, it's, you know, taking out all the lows, we can't go down much lower. And then next thing you know, we're scratching our head wondering how we ever got back down to 15 below. But anyway, um, let me open it up right now. Uh, another thing to, to pay attention to before someone hops on is, you know, I, the activity on Bifinex has been prescient, right? So we're back to short levels that we hadn't seen since, you know, the end of November. Um, and again, they've been wrong. They've been, you know, it seems like they've been right more recently than not. Uh, and we know that Bifinex is sort of home of the the whales or some of the more significant whales in this market. Um, so. Hey, I mean, like I always say, you know, you want to be the, you know, remora, right? The the fish that swims along the whales and the sharks and takes advantage of the scraps that are, you know, passed off or left behind. Um, all right, let me open it up. So if you guys want to hop in here, wouldn't that been terrifying for me if I just looked down and saw that I was on mute? That would be so me too. I start streams and, you know. I get like 20 minutes in and I realize I didn't, that was a while ago. It happened all the time. I always say, you know, I always preface it with saying, I'm not a streamer, guys. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be, but I'm a trader. <clears throat> so some clear, uh, just in the time being for, you know, guys, I mean, the point of this is for you to hop in. Hopefully there's no lag. Um, you know, in the last, since yesterday's open, which I think is a good level to, to focus on, um, DYDX and PERP, right? DYDX, pretty much a value. No, no, no reasoning fundamentally for why that token should have, should accrue value. Um, but up 17% in the last two days, PERP up uh, 2%, 2.5%. If we just go from the lows, um, we see that PERP is up 3 Kava, you know, Axie, nothing, it's just beta, honestly. So thin conditions and beta. I don't want to say like, oh, Axie's up slightly. It means that it's going to continue to lead. Um, all right, so we have Mitchell. Let me let you in. What's going on, buddy? Hey, Ryan. Uh, nice to see you again. Um, you know, I remember, uh, I guess I, I kind of brought it up last time that the S&P looked like the first Bitcoin 60K deviation. And it looks like that uh, started to play out. Um, so I've uh, I've been noticing this uh, phenomena in the markets. I'm sure you've uh, noticed it as well. Um, essentially, like you know how like so many people their their targets would always be, yeah, you know, you you take the high and then like 
Like that's where people get their shorts and that's where like people take profit. And I've been noticing like, um, you know, on these really macro, super important, like all time high or like important lows, like, um, that the, the wick previous, um, to that level has been getting run. Um, so I ended up getting a long off 37, seven today, which was, uh, which was pretty nice. Um, but, I guess, like, for me, I, I'm kind of looking at, uh, yeah, BTC, and it's like, I don't know. I feel like I almost, like, have to be bullish here because, like, if if we drop anything into this, you know, 30 to 40, it's like we're just going to get acceptance. And then it's like, in my mind, I just see, like, 29. And I guess this this is kind of like a level that, I had been looking at for a long time. I mean, you know, I didn't believe that double bottom at all. So, like, I, you know, I pretty much all cash until I, you know, I deployed quite a bit uh, today. I was really hoping we'd get, you know, a bigger bounce on the S&P. But um, I guess that's not really the case. Yeah, no, so I, I definitely, uh, like, I guess from, I, I, I share a similar perspective with that this is kind of like, and I, I took a trade yesterday during the stream I did where, it was a similar idea. It was like, all right, so we're so close to like the oh shit zone that, you know, this trade for me is very mechanical. I might just take it. I might as well just take it because the invalidation is so close. Um, with where we sit right now, I, you know, I see all the reasoning. Like, again, you know, multiple sigma moves off the highs, no real throwback yet. Um, you know, we're, we're so beyond levels that, you know, we're not so beyond, right, because we've done this a few times where it's continued. Uh, but we're, we're beyond the point where you'd expect, like, okay, you know, pass the 25%, pass the 30% drawdown. Like, at some point, we should expect some type of mean reversion, even if the trend is going to continue. Um, the, the level where we're at right now, where it's kind of like the make or break zone, which I think is what you're getting at, the one thing that I don't like about, like, totally redeploying without development first, like, this might be a great buying opportunity, right? And it might be the Pico low. Um, mm-hmm. But the only thing I don't like fully committing to, like, redeploying everything around a position like this or a location is, is that, yeah, the, the invalidation is so close, but that only is attractive or it's like a textbook attractive trade right or in perfect conditions where you know exiting is very clean it's attractive but the reality is like when you sit a, you know below a, all significant levels and sit above a very significant what looks like a significant gap like this is my opinion you know it's a gap it looks like a big gap right and falling back into a range sure um this is an area where for, for getting involved in a trade and then exiting it it's it's a painful trade to exit because of the amount of slippage you probably incur by the time you realize that things are really going south, right? Because, you know, if we go back to like March, 2020, you know, price was hanging above a significant area market structure that looked like it was like reasonable that we should, you know, maintain this prior range that we were within. Um, right. And that I was- mean, you know, that's, that was like, like 100% like a, a liquidity event though. Totally. I mean, it's not like we're necessarily experiencing that. And like, you know, the, the S and P has pretty much been uh straight down, which, you know, uh, like it's, and it's close to the 200 day. I mean, I just thought, um, 
you know, running running that 4,500 low, I, I really thought that um, we would kind of run that and get like, you know, a nice lower high back into that range. Um, but, you know, still waiting on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I share your sentiment, right? The, you know, back then it was a liquidity event. Um, but the point, it was like, it was also only a liquidity event after it was a liquidity event. Like you didn't have like a, you didn't get like a phone call to let you know that your level was going to get smoked. Uh, and the markets right now are so thin and I just, they're sitting on, I think, such a fine point um, that, you know, I'm not seeing enough for me to get involved here on the basis that it's a really well-defined area mm-hmm. because, you know, it doesn't have to be a liquidity event for BTC to move a lot, right? I mean, a liquidity event that involves, that, you know, when there's contagion in markets and it spills into crypto, yeah, it's just, creates a very significant move, but you know, that was a huge drawdown. But even from here, if we were to continue to drop to the bottom of the previous range, it's a 20% drawdown, which is nothing to shake, you know, nothing to shake your finger at. It's not like, uh, it's oh, not like you're sure. get, you know, if you get involved here at 38, you know, where do you cut? You know, do you cut? Well, I, so for, for me, it's, uh, it, it goes back to the phenomena of like, um, I like I, I either want to see a swing failure pattern of thirty seven seven, the most the most recent low, or I'm out. Like I don't I don't want to see thirty seven one taken just because of uh the tendencies that I've seen where the the macro low or high hasn't been taken. It's been taken the wick before has been. So yeah. and that's you know, me being overly cautious to like, you know, obviously protect downside. And that's why like I thought the the, the setup was, you know, pretty nice. And, you know, right now, man, we're really teetering on uh, on all of that as the S&P just looks even more uh, horrendous. Yeah, I mean, if I look back at like, um, you know, it was like beginning of August, August 3rd, August 5th, that region, mm-hmm. uh, that little low before we continue to move up to right around, you know, before we moved all the way up to 54. That is an area where, like, if we tap, you know, depending on what exchange you're on, we haven't tapped it yet. But if we right. tap that and we don't see, like, a, an immediate snapback, you know, hanging above a level after tapping it, it just, you know, you have a few seconds before you see the level get smoked, right? You want to see that if we tap into that level, there's, a you know, an immediate response, which, you know, it's a discretionary thing at that point where, you know, you don't play, you, you would have a hard stop, hopefully, but you just yank yourself out of the trade once it doesn't respond in a certain amount of time. Yep, totally. So. But I yeah, mean, oh my, here we go. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know, man, it's frustrating. Uh, I guess, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got. Thanks, Ryan. All right, man, thank you. All right, next caller. <laughs> Sound like a radio person. Next caller, please. Uh, yeah, so I hate, you know, you have five hours left in the daily, but you have like no wick. And not to put a tremendous amount of weight in, you know, just a technical feature of a candlestick chart, right? It's just candlesticks for data points, but, you know, no wick at the you know bottom of a daily candle um just closing at the low 
it's just so it's showing complete one oh so there is another thing i mean you know it looks uh less likely now but i guess uh, you never know so like well what would your opinion be if we close uh today above 396 396 uh, yeah like are, is that because you know that's that would be a pretty nice swing failure pattern like is, is that something that would actually uh, make you bullish because I mean for me at least I'm I'm just trying to play to a lower high like I, I I don't you know I think a lot of people want 46 I don't really think we get that high I was really just trying to play it to 44 yeah I mean if we close if we close back within you know it's like the low of the of the range we just broke out of right so depending on what exchange it is it's like 39.5 39.6 I mean I don't I wouldn't you know it's like right now I think what a lot of people are doing is like they're taking lower time frame evidence and and they're allowing it to force higher time frame positions. Um, and clearly higher time frame evidence is trumping all lower time frame evidence. So if I you know if we closed if we had a daily close back above 39.6, you know, just to reference that level that you know you mentioned, um, back below back above that swing low going back to January 10th, that would just be a, probably a very short term trade for me. Um, I wouldn't want to extrapolate too much from that because is, is, that, is that something where you would actually get involved though like if you if you saw that close would that be like an, an indication for you that like um you know maybe like play it to you know 42 or, or something like that oh yeah 100 so anytime that we close back within a you know an area of structure like that you know that case was that was a significant low within that entire range right that was right. like uh you know an immediate snapback there's a tail if you look at just a tpo chart it's all tail um, yeah, I would immediately be looking at that level and how exactly, you know, seeing if that level was sold immediately and if it's holding on the lower time frame. Because a lot of times when you have, you know, a daily close back within the level or through a level, you know, you're going to see a lot of crude algo activity, right? So just some basic, you know, higher time frame close activity, systematic strategies applied and, and lower time frame close around that area. So, yeah, if we saw that, you know, if I'm that's an area on the chart locally if we close back above that and i would look for you know short-term sort of intraday swing opportunity but really not expecting too much right because the entire way down we've you know, taken out lows popped up and continued to sort of fade away anyway yeah i mean you know that I, I, like that's the thing too it's just like like everyone is like oh like we're, relief like relief like relief and yet i i just i feel like some people miss sight of the fact that like we just completely turbo nuked uh like the first 60k drop like what's to say we we can't do that again i mean right you know the only like assured like we're gonna bounce their level in my mind is 29k 20K. yeah yeah i mean there's some really standout levels on the chart but even like so you know mentioning 30s uh you know, what is it, 39.6, you know, this little local distribution where we are right now, which is up to 39, like if you just look at how today is, has unfolded, like yeah. there's a lot of activity into this low between 39 and, and, and I guess what the low is like 37 something. Even if we were to start trading and holding above, you know, 39, 50, 39, 100, you can make a, a short-term case for more of a, a throw upward from just that alone without having to wait for, you know, 36, 39, six to be broken, you know, because chances are, 
you might not even close above the 39.6 level, but if we break above 39.100 and hold that, you might get a you know significant shot back up to the underside around 40. That ends up rolling over anyway. Doesn't even have to close through. The you know, point is that there's there are short-term trading opportunities to the upside that are that are local, but they're not things that I would you know build a you know swing. I was yeah, a, like a, like a bigger swing. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, that that thirty nine one. That's the that's the value area high, of the thirty to forty k range. So that level is pretty important. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I so. could definitely see that that would you know if we actually get some acceptance back above there, yeah, uh, be a decent decent trading opportunity. But uh, right on. Yeah. All right. Does anyone else want to hop in? Everyone's just uh, looking at their chart on the one-minute time frame. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess, um, you know, also there's – I can just kind of talk about this just because uh, this is something that I find – have found that is uh, absolutely fascinating. So um, I don't know if you know this, but, um, like, pretty much all the the macro highs and lows um, have been put in off of the having cycle. Um, okay. Have you heard- have you heard about yeah, this at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, essentially, like, uh, just at major points of, like, macro highs and lows from, like, the previous um, 2017 bull run, um, if you measure from the halving in terms in, uh, in days, um, within, like, one to two days, um, we have put in, like, a macro high or a macro low uh, according to, like, what uh, what we did last cycle. So uh, just for instance, like the the 64K top was off by one day um, to uh, a level back time last time. And then what was actually super interesting this time is that um, the 65K top was one day off the 20K top. And then the 69K top was one day off the 17K top. So like we, we literally put in... Uh, an all-time high, basically right on schedule, uh, according to the having. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. And so, <laughs> you know, like I, I just I see all this confluence with like these market makers putting in like these highs and lows off of these days, and so like I created like a like a whole thesis on this. Like, I mean, I, I currently think we're in a bear market, and uh, you know, I think we'll bottom. I think it'll probably be like 24K, you know, if things get really bad, obviously it could be lower, but that's kind of where the 200 week uh, comes in. Uh, so like the projected bottom is uh, September, October um, okay. from what it was last cycle. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm, uh, I'm looking for uh, as my plan. I just thought it'd be uh, interesting. No, I mean, I, I'm always open to hearing uh, more with regard to, I guess, on-chain and anything that's, you know, with regards to the having, and there's a bunch of tools and indicators that I don't even, you know, I don't look at, but have show confluence with major turning points in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny because I think the ETH, is it the ETH Development Fund or they've sold the top twice now? What are they called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't. Um, I do know that uh, ETH, like the last cycle, um, ETH put in its high 28 days after BTC, 
And then yeah. uh, I know with the first top, it did that the same as well. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't checked if it did on this uh, 4800 top, if that was uh, similar to that. I don't necessarily think it was. But uh, there's, yeah, really, really fascinating um, confluences with, uh, you know, timing. And, you know, as everyone knows, like crypto itself is uh you know pretty cyclic and you know you look at like i look at the 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 bitcoin dominance chart and uh i mean the thing just looks like it wants to rip rip up and just completely nuke alts uh in my opinion but yeah i mean i think that's that's, taking a beating are you so yeah because i know you you'd been like you you're you're interested in like fuse um and then like fxs and like <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I, I, I actually uh, I, I bought it uh, this morning, um, just because that was kind of my strategy is uh, buying back in when we saw thirty seven seven. It's so funny because I uh, I was doing a stream yesterday and I made a, talk, a point of talking about fuse and I've gotten in at a fuse a couple times and built mm-hmm. a significant position and as I was in the stream I was watching it drop. It was like. One point is two eighteen, and it got. Oh, down that thing! Yeah, that thing! It dropped like a freaking rock, man. That like I looked at that chart, and I'm like, oh, look, you know, it looks like oh, a piece yeah. of crap. And I I yanked out at like two oh one. Oh, good for you. Yeah, but you still, you know, you eat a ton of slippage. But you know, doing the mental math of eating the slippage versus going all the way down to one fifty was like, all right, thank God I dodged the bullet. But there's a you know there's a lot of you know I don't have so I've been getting more into alts, but. I paper hand alt and I, and I do it in a way where it caps my upside a lot, but there's sure. times like this where I paper hand them and I'm really thankful because I'm like, I'm so happy. I don't have this fundamental conviction because I don't like, you know, the, during like peak period of the bull market when everything is going up and you know, you have drawdowns, but you're weathering them because you're like, ah, it's not the only market. Like my portfolio is down this amount, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Totally different. Totally different oh my, mindset. I do not have that stomach anymore. You know. Oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, like me either. Like, uh, you know, I sold my DPX at four thousand eighty, so I was feeling oh, wow. super, super stoked about that. Yeah. I actually picked it back up at twenty two hundred this morning. Um, That's a goodbye. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see. Uh, ho- hopefully so, but I think you know, until we get back above forty, like everyone is so. Uh, freaking paranoid about you know the the impending uh, liquidation nuke, which you know I I don't know I I don't know how you feel about it, but I I don't necessarily see it uh, yet. Uh, but I I do think you know if we build up some more OI and another move, like we could get a pretty substantial six k eight k candle or something like that. Yeah, I don't think we've we haven't seen like a capitulation yet, and and some people are making a case now for you know, us being in a different regime and not having that anymore, but we just had it recently. So I, I always feel like until you get that, it's still, it's not, it hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very unsettling. Then, you know, that's for sure. Thing is like, you know, it's easy to get caught up on Twitter too. And like, the, you know, markets are, there's no, and this is the same, this is, you know, watch CNBC any day and you'll see. It's like, it's always diametric opposite. It's always like everything is great or everything is fun. Right, there's no mm-hmm. in between. You know, 
a bear market in equities, it's not going to last forever, right? There's already a, a bunch of equities that are quote unquote in you know what is subjectively defined as a bear market. You know, there's there's shorter periods compared to any crypto bear market we've had, and the whole game is just surviving the time being. Like, don't die in between because markets will bounce again. You know, this I remember like going back to July and June. It seemed like everyone was so depressed because we just come off the highs for the first time. And yeah. it was like, you know, light went on up only and then the market just went up only. Um, but I mean, it gets like that, you know, emotions are high and feels like things are gonna crash to zero. And, and then like a month later, everything is on the up and up again and everyone's acting like, you know, the market's going back to 100K immediately. So- Yeah, yeah, no, I I've, uh, I, you know, I, I, got, I got wrecked in that, that first drop. But, uh, you know, I, I really honed in the, uh, the trading skills. So I'm like, you know, five, 10% off portfolio all time high. So we're not doing too bad. I think one of the best things you could do is prioritize weekly higher time frame market structure. Um, yeah, right now, then, especially I, I was yeah. getting completely obliterated trying to scalp some alts and I'm like, yeah, screw this. Like I'm only like really, really solid levels. Like I just... I can't, I can't be messing around with anything other than BTC. I mean, you could scalp BTC. But. Yeah, that and for like your position trades though, weekly levels and something like a 20 day moving average. And you know what? Like you might pull yourself out a lot on the way up, but if you stick to some kind of systematic criteria for a higher time frame, you know, I was able to get out. You know, I think this last run, I was able to spare myself a lot of pain by exiting right around 5960 you know mm -hmm. and 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 i was i would be willing to buy much higher when we were closer to that level according to like you know anyone else is saying six you know rather than like looking for the bottom i would i would be willing to buy 60 again with a lot more confidence but i'm not going to get chopped up in the meantime and try to like create levels out of thin air you know so You'll yeah, it's, it's so easy to do that when you're just, you know, super hyper zoomed into the chart. You're like, oh, yeah, this load just got run. Let's let's take yeah. a look at that. And then also <laughs> when, when, when you lose a weekly level or when you lose a significant moving average, like things that are significant for the higher time trend, in the short term, things might be okay after. And you're like, oh, it's okay. You know, we, oh, like we lost the, we lost the major market structure on the weekly. Like, ah, oh, it's okay. And it's like, no, it's just going to take a while for things to really unwind, but they're going to start unwinding. Like it's a bad sign, right? It's a, it's a sign that progress is shifting. So, so are you, are you, uh, like what, what do you, what are your kind of thoughts on the, on the S and P? Like I'm, I'm fairly like neutral. I mean, uh, neutral leaning bearish like I, I think the the correction will come but maybe we can uh, come out of it towards the end of the year um, I don't know do you have yeah any? I mean I think it's just gonna be a choppy year I mean with okay. all the talk around rates you'd imagine a fair amount of it's priced in but I think it's gonna be a choppy year it's, it's what we've seen for the last you know we have a small data set right now for the beginning of 2022 um, mm -hmm. There's a good amount of, you know, we don't have QE right now, but we have a good amount of private QE that's stored up in some of these larger caps. Um, whether or not they're going to be buying back a lot, you know, it's not, I'm not very good at making that judgment as to whether or not this is a great area to get involved. That's why I try to keep it more systematic when it comes to equity um, because I'm not a value guy. Um, so I don't know. I mean, 
if we get development around the 200 day right now and we're trading back above 45, like I'll be damned if I don't start getting more positive because if you just look at the S&P over the last 50 years, I mean, it's just one story of, uh, you know, rising prices. Obviously, there's survivorship because the S&P is comprised of things that are continuously they're surviving. Right. If you're dead, you're not going to be listed anymore. Um, so there's a degree of survivorship in it. Um, but the whole entire way up, it's been, you know, in this bull market, we had a couple of significant pullbacks, but, you know, a 10% pullback in the S&P would be expected within a given year in a regular bull market. And in the last couple of years, we've had a ridiculous bull market. So, I mean, it, it comes with the territory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so... I totally agree. You know, you don't want to bet against the S&P. Like, that's just, like, it's fool's errand, like, whatever. But the the one thing that I do think that, like, is kind of, you know, really holding me up is, um, you know, just the artificial inflation of asset prices. Yeah. And, like, it, it just, it seems to me that, like, in order to justify these valuations, like the Fed pretty much has to keep their foot on the gas and like, at, at, like, you know, the, they're going to have to stop at some point or does this party just go on forever? I mean, I don't know. It's a well, so really interesting that's, thought experiment. That's the, I guess that's a better point to clarify. It's not the S&P is, it's not that you don't pay the S&P. It's that you don't pay what has been responsible for the S&P. So that works both ways, though, right? So the for the last, what, 12, 14 years, it's been don't pay the Fed. I mean, obviously before that, but you know, QE at, as a whole is something relatively new. Right, it's exactly. Don't pay the Fed. And like for every person that's on zero hedge and doom and gloom as a macro trader who's been fading the Fed, they've you know, gotten their ass handed to them. And it's like the Fed tells you what's going to do. And people start trying to get overly smart and bet against the Fed, but don't. And now we have a different situation where it's like the Fed is telling you what they're going to do, that they, you know, plan on, we're looking at a, you know, rate hike in March, first one. So I would say like, yeah, there's a case to be made for like the fact that they can't raise them to a certain extent. You know, I, I wrote a thread on this, but I got tired of seeing everybody write threads anyway, and then I wrote my own. But <laughs> there's a case to be made that they can't raise them beyond a certain amount, right? Because the Fed is like the largest customer. But it doesn't mean that in the short term, we can't see significantly lower prices from the fact that they are peeling off. So, you know, and this is a good example of like, you have to just be, you have to just play differently now. Right? You have to be cautious. I'm more short-term oriented, kind of, you know, dancing near the door, so to speak. Um, and when yeah, they... No, no kidding. If, if we... Uh, if we have a 20% drawdown in equities and, and they start getting involved again. Um, because you have to imagine there's a lot of politics in this as well that are on the line. If, mm-hmm. if they get involved again and they start injecting capital into the market, and we live in a weird clown world where now they've backed themselves in the corner and they can't do anything but that, then yeah, I'm getting, you know, I'm full force getting back in it because they're the biggest player, right? Why would you fade that? You know, there's like macro bull bears that have been fading that for the last 12 years. And yeah, you know, they, sell newsletter. they sell newsletters, but they they you know they've been on the wrong side of the market for the last you know, for the entire bull market. So, but I'm gonna take Mitchell. I'm gonna take another call. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. Good to talk to you, man. What's up, Smokey? Hi, Ryan. Hey, what's going on? 
Hey, uh, oh yeah, been your Twitter subscriber for some time, so really curious to hear your opinions about markets. So, and ha- uh, thanks for having this um, yeah, crypto ra- uh, wrap up or whatever. Uh, one note just that I had about S and P is like um, if we look back at, for example, uh, year two thousand eighteen, uh, last year, uh, last quarter of two thousand eighteen, we actually had so like a twenty percent drawback uh, in S and P. So I'm just thinking, why can't we have that again, given all the, you know, like gamification of the markets and Robin Hood traders and like people who are just buying the dip all the time. I think we also exceeded uh, like the options trading volume exceeded uh, the real um, like equities uh, trading volume. So I'm just thinking like, you know, people say that this is a good buying opportunity in uh, S&P, but I'm just thinking like, uh there is like a, a scenario where we go something like 20% down and then where Bitcoin will end up in this case. Oh, absolutely. And, and just to be clear, like there are definitely people that are saying that this is a good buying opportunity because historically it's you know been more often not the case that when the SP drops 10%, that it's a good buying opportunity. Uh, you know, for the times that it didn't though, it was a horrible buying opportunity. It's like saying, you know, if you play Russian roulette and you load a gun with, you know, one bullet has six chambers. Yeah, like every time that you don't shoot yourself and die, you're okay. But the one time you do, you know, you can't play anymore. So this is, you know, there are people like value investors that say that this is a good, you know, value you know, a buying opportunity. You know, people who do strictly apply, you know, apply things like moving averages and more crude sort of trend-based strategies. Um, but it doesn't mean that you know, that doesn't have to mean anything, especially like you said, you know, there's sort of the gamification taking place in markets, especially when it comes to uh, the options market, which is going to spill over more um, into, you know, it's going to reflect in in equity indices, um, you know, especially when it comes to things like gamma, because the writers of those options have to hedge uh, and you're getting larger and larger swings when you do have, you know, significant uh, open interest in options and uh, significant activity that's arising from that. Um, I don't see a reason why, you know, we can't drop 20%. I think I'm not a subscriber to the, you know, 10% drawdown in the S&P is a buying opportunity. It's something that a lot of people subscribe to. I don't, I'm passive in legacy right now. Um, I would get aggressive in the S&P if we approach that sort of Fed put limit, which historically, you know, is is actually below 20. Um, now, normally, you know, you have... Uh, sort of built-in um, mechanics that dampen volatility as price begins to draw down. You know, like I say, you know, in the low time frames, you have HFTs. You know, if you have moves that are outside of 5%, 10%, you know, you have your CTAs, trend followers getting involved, and then you have further volatility dampening if you're getting below, you know, getting anywhere between 10 and 20. Because like I, I, I've mentioned before, you know, if, if Apple drops, you know, legacy is, should be, right, um, or not should be, I mean, it makes more sense, is more fundamental driven, whereas crypto is price driven. So if Apple drops 20% and Apple's company hasn't changed, well, then why isn't that a buying opportunity? You're going to get a lot of people that are going to step in. Um, I, I don't see a strong case to be made other than just a couple metrics that are standing in the way right now for this being uh, a great buying opportunity at 10%. Um, you know, that's in with what's taking place uh, macro wise right now, you see how sensitive the market is and there's not much that's getting in the way in any kind of downside movement. Uh, 
Mm, I don't know. That's why I, I would, I, I personally, you know, at a drawdown like this, after smoking some levels, I would need to see, you know, a period of weeks of development um, for a low to be really established and to, to get behind. But if we do that, right, if we establish a, you know, period of consolidation down here and, and development, um, and then we start retaking 45 and, you know, if you pay attention to the narrative, narrative begins to shift. And, you know, at that point, you know, maybe we're talking into March um, because I don't think we're looking at a, I don't think we're, you know, you have an FOMC meeting coming up. So who knows, maybe they could become, you know, maybe they could be a bit more dovish considering how things have, have been leading up to it. And that's on the 26th, but I don't see a reason for the market to just about face right now and rip up. Um, so if we're looking at development, you know, what seems reasonable, if you look at past periods where we've fallen 10%, 10, 12%, you know, you're at least looking at sometimes two, three weeks of development. And I guess the more local one would be mid-September into October. So that puts us into what, end of February, maybe March. Um, it's around the time of the first potential rate hike. But like I said, Fed said they're going to, you know, they're going to hike rates. I don't see any reason why they would decide not to now. I just think it's the only thing that's not priced in. Um, maybe they come out of, you know, left field with a more significant initial rate hike. And then we're in a worse off position because it's not, you know, what the, what the market expects, which is 25 basis points. Um, so, you know, like you said, 10% off the highs is really not that significant. I mean, if you go back, there's been many periods where we've had, you know, 10% all the way up. And that was sort of my point, like 10% is kind of to be expected often. So 10% in a market that's been just up only for, you know, two years now. Well, there's a case to be made for why not, you know, you know, just think about mean aversion, right? Markets have been moving up. That sounded really stupid. Just think about mean aversion, right? Um, markets have been uh, moving vertically, right? And the norm more recently has been, uh, you know, an up only market. So why wouldn't more significant drawdowns become factored into that those norms, right? Um, so 20% could be looking at something like that. You know, we have people that are talking heads right now talking about 40%. I think that 40% is kind of off the table. I think that 20% is where you start to see um, maybe the Fed potentially change stance, you know, however we get there. We don't even have the first rate I get though. So there's a, obviously there's still a lot on the table. Oh, I think, uh, I don't know if we lost you. So I guess it was a long winded, let me pull you back on Smokey. Oh, yeah, I'm here. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, totally agree. So, and you know, I don't trade uh, traditional markets myself, so I'm just uh, like looking at, you know, in terms of like BTC. And one concern that I have is that if if we actually end up having that twenty or like twenty plus percent correction, you know, like on BTC, everything, everyone is looking at those like thirty k level because it's a very obvious level. But then you know if there is such a high correlation with traditional markets, then maybe that actually takes precedence. And, you know, even though that 30K level seems like, uh, you know, something like, a, you know, like an iron level that has to withhold, uh, like, I'm not so sure about that because it seems that, like, BTC, when there is, a, there is, like, a liquidity event or something like that, you know, just, like, 
there are like no levels that matter in BDC. Oh no, of course <laughs> it not. looks like no levels become completely superfluous in, in with any kind of like exogenous you know factor outside influence. Um, so I mean, levels behave when the market is behaving more often than not. So when 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 things are really violent in legacy, you know, Bitcoin is just higher beta to the S and P. And you know, there are times like where and again, people will like see that we've been in a, a decline now for this is months now, like off the highs. There's been one way trip down for the most part, looking at the weekly chart, the daily chart even. Um, you know, we had a minor kickback, uh, you know, going back into the end of December. But you know, there are periods on the low time frames where like yesterday the DAC is moving down, S and P is moving down, and like there's a small period of time where there's a little bit of respite for BTC and it it's not moving down as much. Uh, you know, zoomed out in the larger sample. If the S&P goes down, BTC behaving like even like a beta of 1.5 or 2 to the S&P, it's going to have more downside capture. So there might be small periods of respite where the S&P moves down intraday and Bitcoin doesn't move lock and step with it immediately. But if the S&P nuke down, let's say the S&P drops uh, another 10% from here. Bitcoin's dropping at least, you know, you could say at least 10%. It's going to have more downside capture. It's going to drop, you know, consistently. If the S&P drops 10%, you're going to get a what, 15 to 20% drop from BTC. So now combine that with a gap in market structure. It's not necessarily a gap, but it's a it's not a lot of development, you know, in the last going back to August. Um, if that happened, like if you're going to say, hey, gun to your head, what do you think would happen if the S&P dropped? Let's just say, you know, if the S&P dropped down to 4,000, back into 3,000. It's another like nine, ten percent from here. You could easily see Bitcoin at twenty-five. Right? There's no reason why. There's no reason why someone would. You know, you have people that are diehards, right? There's long-term holders. They're not selling, but they're also up ridiculously. Um, but there's no reason why if the S&P dropped ten percent, that Bitcoin wouldn't drop more. Now, mind you, a twenty percent drop from here for Bitcoin is like upper 20s, I think right around 30. So maybe you get caught at that level, but the odds are that you come into that level so hard that you run it and wick it, you know, down well below, well below 29, right? So maybe you wick into 25 and, you know, then we're left to assess after that. But if the S&P drops more from here, the, you know, just it's Bitcoin's going to drop more than the S&P. That's just the way it behaves. It's that's the relationship that it has it has more downside capture. I think you might be on mute. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree, definitely. All right. Uh, Mitchell, do you want to hop in again? Or Smokey, did you have anything else? No, that's it. That was all for me. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks for hopping on. What's that, buddy? Um, yeah. All right. So I got, I got one last thing. Um, so this is something that I've been really trying to think uh, deeply about um, recently, and that's that, um, you know, I find it uh, very troubling for BTC and the whole scarcity narrative um, when a majority of the volume being traded is uh, derivatives. And so, um, you know, you, you can see it in like, you know, the on-chain metrics, like there's like, 
the most coins that have like ever uh like there's the least amount of coins on exchanges right now and like everyone you know the holders are holding but like you know the problem with uh something where you're trying to restrict supply in order to you know garner a price appreciation is that when you get all the supply from the derivatives and you know for selling um and you know liquidations and things of that nature i just uh you know because i know that you 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 may not necessarily hold bitcoin but that you're like bullish on the asset and i think that like the scarcity like the perception of scarcity you know could carry it along some but like we're still going to experience diminishing returns and uh you know i like i'm the only really thing that i can see that really like gets bitcoin to the mainstay is like if if it fulfills like the reserve currency status i don't know maybe i'm just like pessimistic but uh i just i don't really see the store of value nature uh of it with uh the amount of volume that's traded on derivatives so um just a few things um i mean my thesis with btc long term is it's really simple uh how much it goes, how long it takes to move up is obviously very important when it comes to risk-adjusted returns and opportunity costs. And if Bitcoin goes to 100K, but it takes 10 years, like it's not really that attractive an investment, right? If you think about all exactly. the risks you're taking right now early on. Um, but I think just from a very basic standpoint, you know, baby boomers moving on to millennials, like millennials are beginning to just allocate towards BTC. It's just, it's becoming more financialized and, and more packaged into um, TradFi that even through that like slow um, that slow pickup, I think that that minimal amount of demand over time by larger participants when they could start allocating, you know, for what that for them might be like a half a percent, um, but for us is a very significant amount of money. I think that that's going to lead to higher prices in the future. But that's like you know, a time horizon for crypto is much different than legacy, like. Legacy wouldn't, you know, crypto investment is like holding for months, right? Legacy is like minimal two years. Um, so I think that the long-term value proposition is still there just because you're going to have this trickle-on effect because the younger people inherit the earth, right? That's, it's the younger people that inherit the earth. Bitcoin's not being, you know, it's not being banned. Um, you know, as long as the government can tax something, they're not going to ban it. I think very simply, it's, it's going to accrue capital um, just because of that. As far as like the derivatives market, it's not really something that I'm that stands out to me because uh, that's the case in all markets that the derivative market dwarfs the spot market. No, um, absolutely. But the one the one thing that like you know is is core to Bitcoin is the limited supply, whereas like like everyone kind of knows that like stocks uh, aren't necessarily trying to achieve that. And right. so because because the whole the holders are like so much stronger than like the an average stock. I don't know. I would at least that would be my perception just because of like the nature of like the idealistic people who get into crypto. I don't know. I just I still I just think it it just distorts it more when that's kind of like one of the core reasons to Yeah, I mean like if if I mean we're seeing literal nation state like nation states get involved in BTC and it's obviously very small right now, but 
Yeah, and that's that's, that's my that's my bold case. That's I think I think the the countries have to get involved in order for yeah. It. And I think you, you have to remember, like, if, are you based out of the United States? Uh, yeah, kind of. I guess I'm in uh, so, Puerto Rico. So, okay. All right. So, like, our perception of why it's useful here is completely different than someone who lives in a third world country, right? Um, so, a lot of the utility is we, you know, Bitcoin is like a luxury here. There, it's like in some places it might be a necessity. So, um, I I think the I think there is this, a case of you know for one for just for like legacy participants picking it up, asset managers, long only pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, um, they're getting involved through. I would say that they would want to get involved through spot, um, not get involved through a derivative product that has some kind of path dependency some type of financing that goes along with it. But, you know, I, I know how the sort of scarcity argument is a lot of times made as like the sole reason for why Bitcoin should go up. Um, I think, you know, it's not something that I really hinge my long-term case on, but I could see how you could challenge it on the basis of that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just, uh, it's it's something I've, I've really been thinking uh pretty hard about and I, I just like to kind of hear what other people have to say about it so thank you you got it bud. all right so we're on an hour now probably gonna wrap it up if no one else wants to hop in that'll do it then um all right so Next week, uh, we'll keep the Friday consistent, but I want to hop on either Monday or Tuesday. I'm constantly forgetting my schedule. I have to write stuff down. Uh, but I saw something that I talk about this on my streams. Like I said uh, yesterday during stream, I was comforted by Joe Rogan saying something like, I can't remember what I did yesterday. Um, and I wonder if it's just a function of focusing on the market so much that it's just warping my brain. But I was reading a, um, I, I got a new book, uh, Soros on Soros. Uh, it's a great book by Soros called The Alchemy of Finance, but Soros on Soros. And I think he said something along the lines of, you know, I'm not worried about having uh, a poor short-term memory or not worried about my memory going because it allows me to really focus on the future. So that's how I like to uh, justify the fact that I can't remember my schedule now. But anyway, so next Friday, we'll have another weekly wrap up. But I will uh, I'll update either Sunday night or Monday and we'll do uh, a beginning of the week call in session as well. This will be posted after. So for any of you who, um, who came late, you'll be able to listen to this. I just have to uh, upload it and I take a couple minutes to process. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, it's always a pleasure starting to enjoy these. Uh, it's a nice break from the market. And uh, yeah, everyone have a fantastic weekend. This is going to sound ridiculous, but it's the the most blunt, clean way I could put it. And it's uh, don't die, right? Don't lose all your chips. Um, you don't have to trade right now. This is a problem that a lot of newer traders have. I feel like they always have to be in the market. Um, they always have to meddle with things, put on a position, be in something. You actually don't. You could take a week off. You could probably take two weeks off and come back and We'll let a lot of this have uh, worked itself out of, you know, the market will have worked itself, worked this out. Um, and if anything, you'll have a little bit of time to yourself, especially if you are 
you know, adversely affected by this imposition, you know, going through drawdown, all of that, the worst thing you could do is try to revenge trade. The best thing that you could do is honestly sit on your hands and take a break. That's- all right, guys. Until next time. Have a and, fantastic weekend. Yeah, one more thing yeah. to that to that point. I think even you you said this is uh, like there's there's really only a couple trading days uh, that matter uh, in the markets. So like you know, just trying to map out those those high time frame levels and just making sure you're active during those times is I think probably the most important. Yeah, absolutely. And as you as you develop more, you'll see that there's actually you, know, you get a lot more specific with that. You know, there's sessions that I won't trade. There's days of the week that I know are just crap. And if I'm trading on them, I'm thinking, why am I trading right now? I know that this is the worst session to trade. There's the least amount of liquidity. The volume's crap. Um, so you could sharpen that, you know, to a point. Uh, and, you know, it's not like you'll, you know, the problem is there's variance, right? So there'll be periods where you miss out, but it's all about putting yourself in the best possible position and playing the odds. All right, guys, until next time, have a great weekend.